Episode 224 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the Romanian tennis superstar Ili Nastasi, who was the first player to be world number one on the computerized ATP rankings. That was from August 1973 to June 1974. He won well over 100 ATP titles. 64 in singles and 45 in doubles. Of his seven major titles, two were in singles, three in men's doubles and two in mixed doubles. He was twice a men's singles runner-up at Wimbledon. As well as his natural talent and incredible skills, Nastasi was renowned for being temperamental and clowning around on court. This interview took place in May 2014 and I began by asking him what he was up to work-wise. What am I doing? I think a little vacation, I think. Yeah. <laughs> on tennis. Yeah. yeah. But I, I gather you're involved in politics in some way. Well, yes. I'm uh, the senator from uh, Bucharest. I just won a couple of weeks ago the mm-hmm. seat in the parliament. And what does that involve? Uh, somebody just resigned from that party, and I uh, I took his place for two years. Normally four years, but he resigned, so they um, asked me if I can do, go for two years. And what are your responsibilities in that job? What does the job involve? No, I don't. I just want to, to you know, they, they, you, you can choose some uh, commission. You know, if you, and I, I choose the commission of sports, and also the commission of um, the the law for the sports in Romania. And we need to change that because the law is. Is old one, so we, we uh, and I choose that also, and uh, commission for Schengen. I choose. You can choose three th- three things. Mm-hmm. And why would you want to go into politics after such a wonderful life in sport? Well, I did. I did that twenty eight years ago, eighteen years ago, twenty years ago. I think ninety six. I ran for the mayor. Mm-hmm. Ninety six. So for mayor of Bucharest. Mm-hmm. But um, I have more time now. And, uh, you know, I thought I can change something in sports because uh, sports in Romania is not a priority like in other countries, normal countries. So hmm. maybe I, if I can have in these three years, I can try to, to change something. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I can do. Most people probably assume you're living on a yacht in Monte Carlo these days. But uh, I, I used to do that also. But, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think it's, I'm here more, most of the time now in Romania and Bucharest. So. I'm trying to do my tennis academy. It will be ready probably at the end of the year. and So I, I got time to do other things too. Is the tennis academy in Bucharest as well? Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. In the middle of town. You obviously care very much about your own country. Well, I, you know, I live in England. I live everywhere. I live in uh, the States for 13 years and 30 years in Paris. So mm-hmm. it's kind of coming home. And, you know, I, I still travel, but now I have more time to spend here and... I like to leave something when you know and I'm going to go away. So, how many homes do you have around the world now? <laughs> I don't have any more. I sold all of them. Did Thank you? God. Last one was in Paris. I sold them last year. So, uh-huh. but uh, I, now I go. I stay at the hotel because I don't spend much time. I spend like three, four days. I go to Roland Garros. I'm coming to Wimbledon for three days, uh-huh. and maybe I go to your Open, and that's it. So, it's tough for me to. It's difficult to keep all these, you know, houses. So. Yeah, and may we know a bit about your home in Romania? What's it like? Well, it's an old uh, house, and you know, it's 100 years old, and 
I haven't seen 1972, and also my parents live here, so... Really? Your parents still live with you? No, no, when they passed away, but okay. they, they used to live here, so... And when I was away, and but now I'm, uh, you know, by my own home. And is it uh, covered in tennis memorabilia, trophies? Yes, and, yeah. yes, I have a one one uh, floor. I want to do this, like kind of a... I don't know if you can call it a museum, but you know, all my uh, tennis trophies and pictures and all the, you know, things I have uh, from tennis. Which is your most important, most treasured trophy or prize that you won? I don't know. I, they're all, you know, when you win it, you know, they're all good, you know. Yes. I, you have to remember that, you know, I started to play tennis after when I was 20 years old. Hmm. I never could be troubled before 20 years old, so I have to catch with other boys ever three, four years ahead of me, so. Can't imagine how good you'd have been if you'd started at I don't 12. know. <laughs> I wish I ask. I was number one. I cannot be better than number one, but I think I can win more tournaments. I, I think it's a, when you're a young like this, it's, it's a good experience to play, you know, uh, big Grand Slams tournaments, so even they're juniors, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, what sort of history of tennis was there in Romania before you came along? Uh, we had some uh, history, but even my brother was playing Davis Cup with Tiriak, and we have some other champions before uh, I came, or, you know, along. But tennis was not so popular; it was difficult to to get uh, equipment, and we didn't have so many tennis courts. But you know, it's sometimes happened like that. So. You mentioned your parents earlier. May we know their names and jobs, occupations? Yeah, well, um, my father was uh, George and my mother Elena. My father was working for a bank. He was a policeman of the bank, mm -hmm. you know. He my was... mother, no, she didn't work. Right. And were you a big family? We are six. And when, my, when I was young, one of our brothers passed away. But we are five, and now we're only three alive, so. Right. And, and how much was sport a part of your childhood? You know, it was part because I was lucky, because uh, my father also got a job also with the other policeman to keep a, uh, a club. Uh, he was like a ground, you know, the... Groundsman? Of, yeah, groundsman. Mm -hmm. And when he came out to the police, and then, you know, that's where I started to play tennis. And my brother played there, and it was my home, you know, so I was lucky for that. So did you literally not pick up a tennis racket till you were 20 years old? No, 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 no. I picked up the racket, but I, I said I never travel uh, abroad. I okay. play only in Czech Republic or Hungary or Russia and things like that. But of course, I, I play tennis. Of course. I didn't play away uh, from Romania. So. Okay. Well, so when did you first start playing in any form? Well, my first swim was when I was 20. I played before that, but uh, not in the Grand Slam. Right. A grand Slam because you know it was when I was when I just turned 20. It was in uh, 1966 in uh, June. Mm -hmm. That Roland Garros, my first tournament. Yeah. And uh, were you good at other sports as well? Because quite a lot of you top tennis stars yeah, are brilliant at golf yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Golf. When I will be 80, maybe I play golf. But I play uh, soccer until I was about 15 or 16. <laughs> Mm. Uh, at the same time, and then when I got a lot of, you know, kicking my legs and bruises, I, I stopped playing soccer. 
And was there any other career you were considered for before you became a tennis player? No, I was involved with a lot. I love sports. I like all the sports, you know. And uh, since I was maybe five years old, I I I, I watch a lot of. I I become like a, you know, I start like a ball boy, mm-hmm. and then I keep you know playing both sports, soccer and tennis. But at the end, I prefer to play tennis and. I think that my coach was smarter than the coach from soccer. He gave me a lot of chocolate, so <laughs> he keep in tennis. And you are the most natural tennis player there's ever been, I think. Incredible. And how do you explain that? I don't know. Somebody in, in France, when I get, I played Roland Garros there, uh, actually was Davis Cup, uh, was Vista Lacoste. Right. And they asked me if I have a coach who coached me to play the way I was playing. and. The answer was, says, I don't have a coach. And he said, you know, I can't believe you don't have a coach. So he helped me a little bit, Mr. Lacoste, because I didn't have a ranking to play Roland Garros. Hmm. So he put a good word to the organizer there, and he let me play the first Roland Garros when I was 20 years old. Yeah. And in those early days, did someone say to you, you will be the best in the world one day? Uh, one player told me this. Uh, this was 1967. After seven years, when I was playing Davis Cup against Spain in Romania, and Manola Santana, which was number one that year, mm-hmm. I, I took a picture of him, and he wrote in the, in the picture that he said for a future number one in the world. That's what he said. The only guy. And presumably, you've had a chance to speak to him since you became number one. Did you show him the picture again and say, do you remember you wrote Manolo this? knows. He, he knows. I talked to him in Roland Garros uh, even this year, and he knows that he wrote that to me. Because uh, when I, we started the match, it was uh, six love, three love for me. Nine games. I won nine games in a row. And he turned around to the coach. He said, who the hell is this guy to beat me nine games in a row? <laughs> Manolo just won Wimbledon that year, and uh, you saw and everything. So. What do you think it was that you had as a tennis star that made you so special, so different? I don't know, you know, everybody, and I think I have that for my uh, natural thing, I have intuition. And I know even before the ball, when somebody's going to hit the ball, I have an idea what, which direction the ball comes. So it's a big advantage. And sometimes I don't look at the ball. I know exactly where the ball comes and I just hit, you know. I'm lucky, I was lucky, I don't know. Were there some players, though, you just couldn't beat? Well, there are a few, uh, few guys, but you don't say that, you know. You just, you lose, you know. Sometimes maybe I have a tough matches with Stan Smith or, uh, well, Tom Hawker was one guy that I, you know, I beat him, but he beat me also, so. But you don't, you don't want to, to tell somebody that, that, you know, you don't like to play against him. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, but they were quite... Clean could have calm, cool players. Were those the ones that frustrated you because you kind of wanted yeah. them to react? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stan Smith was one of them, you know, maybe the Australian because maybe Borg was one of them also. He, he kept cool, he didn't say anything, so... Mm. But that's, you know... Because before you came along, there were no really bad boys, as we say, you know. Mm-hmm. And where did that come from? Was that genuine frustration when things didn't go your way? Or were you just entertaining people? Uh, no, but I do this, and, you know, and I, I, even when I was practicing, I was the same way, you know. I was joking, or I was getting mad, and, but that's the personality, and that's make me win, but also I lose a lot of matches. But altogether, if I count, it was good for me. To be like that, you know, I I could not change. Also, anyway, 
No, but you, do you think, though, that if you had just played everything straight, that perhaps you would have won more titles? I don't know. I don't know. Don't, uh, you know, I, I used to play doubles with Jimmy and uh, Connors, you know, and one day he came to me, he said, Nasty, I don't want to practice with you. And I said, why? He said, because, you know, I want to be serious for 20 minutes or half an hour to practice with you is impossible because you're joking, you're getting mad and all. So I said, what do you suggest? I said, you know, practice with somebody else. He said, I said, okay, no problem with me. So, hmm. but that's, you know, I was like that. So, so I didn't do on purpose to disturb somebody or anything because, you know, like I said, the, the other guys there keep cool and beat me and that's what. Yeah, yeah. But you did win a lot of people's admiration for being such an entertainer. Do you still get people coming up to you today saying, oh, we so enjoyed watching you? I have that, and that's, that's uh, the greatest part of, uh, of tennis. And, of course, when they tell you, when you're number one, they tell all oh, this, it doesn't uh, make you so happy. And I think it's much happier and you appreciate more when it's, you don't play any more tennis. You had some memorable encounters with umpires. Did you, mm -hmm. did you really disrespect them, or did you just couldn't hold yourself in? Uh, I think I was a little bit bold, because, you know, first of all, now it's different. We cannot compare, because now they're professional umpires, and they travel with the, with the tour, and it's, it's more professional. But I, I told them, you know, when, when somebody was not uh, there with, to do his job for, you know, paid job, because they are all uh, volunteers, some of them, most of them, I think. I told that you know they make a mistake. It's you know was upsetting me a lot. So, but there was no rule to that I don't I cannot complain. So I, I do complain. The most memorable one was when you said, "Call me Mr. Nastasi." Yeah, but that was uh, unfortunate that uh, umpire passed away, uh, Jeremy Shields. Yes. And I'm sorry for that because you know I know him quite well. No, no, he it, it took uh, was a piece of paper was flying over Wimbledon, I mean, the center court, and I landed at my feet, and it was against Borg, I think, in the final. Mm -hmm. And I was not doing very well. I was, I think, to set love down. And he said to me, Nastasia, pick up that paper. So that's when I go to him. I say, listen, you call me Mr. Nastasia, otherwise I'm not going to pick up the paper. So that's what this time. And actually, in my book, the, the, my, my uh, autobiography is called Mr. Nastasia. Yeah. It's just from them. It's That's lovely cool. that you show respect to Jeremy. I know he's, he's no longer with us. Um, did you have a chance to speak to him in his later years and say, I'm really no, sorry? No, I, I saw him I saw him a lot. I saw him after on all the other <coughs> tournaments, small tournaments when I played in England, you know. And, uh, you know, we are good. Actually, we never, uh, uh, you know, it was just that uh, this time I was not, uh, I was not upset. Hmm. It just happened like that. And, and also with Captain Gibson, I, I was in good terms at the end, you know, before he passed away, so... Hmm. I didn't. Uh, I didn't keep going. Uh, um, you know, once it was over for me, it was you know, it was okay. I mean, that was good. You know, that for me was good because you imagine myself being the same way off the court. You know. Yes. So it was a good balance for me doing that. I was crazy in the court, but then I was opposite. I was like day and night. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but when you did lose important matches, did it upset you, or did you easily just move on and forget it? No, I, you know, even the final, I lost to 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 Smith and and, and Borg. Borg. You know, mm. I don't know if you remember. You know, I, I jump over the net and I uh, hug Bjorn, and the same thing was Stan. You know, jump over the net and hug me. And I, you know, that's what it is. You know, mm. of course you're not pleased, but you know, you have to go on. You know. 
But how much was Wimbledon your number one goal? Uh, a lot, because, you know, when I came, and I, you know, I, I came at 20, the first time I saw grass was, you know, I think I lost to Peter Curtis first round, mm-hmm. as I remember, in 1966. And uh, it was difficult for me, because I was brought up on clay, and, you know, I, I didn't see much of uh, tennis on grass playing, uh, except Wimbledon. And uh, US Open, I played even at 23. Mm-hmm. My first US Open was on grass also. So when you come late like this in a course like that, it's, it doesn't give you confidence until you win one on, the, on grass, like I won a US Open on grass. Then I have confidence, but, you know, after that I didn't do well, except that when I was uh, 30 years old, I started to play a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I make another final against Bjorg. But it was a year... I don't know if you remember, it was a team tennis, and uh, yeah. I didn't play many tournaments this year. Yeah, I remember. the French Open, I, we are not allowed to play, and I play only Wimbledon, which I was in the final against Bjorn, and US uh, Open, I was in the semi-final against uh, Bjorn again. So with two tournaments, you know, I did pretty well that year. If you could go back in time, knowing what you do now, what would you do differently at Wimbledon to make yourself win? Well, I would probably I won't play uh, the French Open, maybe, and just prepare for... Uh, Grass, you know, I play maybe though in 73, I won the Queens also, but I pre- probably play more uh, before we were on tennis on grass. Mm. There's a British actress called Francoise Pascal who told me mm-hmm. a couple of years ago that she'd been mm-hmm. with you the night before Wimbledon 72 yes, and that she was yeah. responsible for you losing because she exhausted oh, you. Oh, no, no, no way, because it was raining, we just went for dinner. No, she was responsible to, I was responsible to take her for dinner. Right. I have to have dinner, no. But she didn't have an exciting night with you that ruined the final for you? No, 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 because I won't do that uh, ever in my life, you know, especially Wimbledon. Right. Was there like a no-sex rule for a few days before a final or something, as they used to No, sometimes? but, you know, I was, uh, you know, if you prepare, it's also that it was raining, and I, I, I want to stay concentrated on, uh, on the game, you know, and it was raining, uh, and we used to play in uh, the final Saturday, I think it was, and then Saturday, I think, was on oh, Sunday. We played Sunday, yeah. Because hmm. Saturday was raining, yeah. All right. How have you felt about the royal family at Wimbledon and all the, you know, stuff that goes with it—the bowing to the royal box and everything like that—the traditions? A tradition has to be respected for, for everybody. And I'm not myself not respected because I think it's. I have one story, funny story, I think. Yeah, good. We playing, I think, was in uh, 72, I think. I'm not sure exactly. 72, 73, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Which, I used to play mixed doubles with Rodriguez House. And, and we are, uh, I think, one one game, we are behind one or two games. So we have to stay in the court and send the court. And to play the semi-final and the final, we have to play Morozova and uh, Metrevedi, I think. I think it was 5 o'clock or something like that. And... We stay in the court and we wait for Metrevelin and Morozova to, to come in to play the final. Mm-hmm. And they just come on the court and they turn around and they bow like this. And there was nobody in the Royal Box because they were having tea at that time. Mm-hmm. And I make a, I laugh and I start to make fun of Metrevelin. So you bow to nobody, there's nobody there. So I think we, we won easily 6-1, 6 one, six one. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I did it. <laughs> Fantastic. And um, yeah. do you have any stories of uh, meeting the British royal family? You know, uh, no, I have a story. In, uh, in, uh, I was playing in Wimbledon, I think was. I think it was against Borg, I'm not sure. So everybody was talking. In the, I was turning, I said, shut up, you know. I, you know what I was doing. Yeah. 
So I turned around and was, uh, I looked and was uh, Duke of Kent speaking, you know, and thought, oh, I said, oh my God, I'm going to be in jail forever in England. <laughs> and I said, I have to uh, come out with something, you know. So I dropped on my knee and I said to, to him, please shut up, sir. <laughs> so he, st- he get up, he start to clap and, you know, I get by with that one. But he's very nice. He comes every year. I come and I have a, a chat with him. He's really, yeah. really nice. Oh, okay. He knows about tennis a lot. I mean, he saw a lot of tennis. So he, he probably he knows a lot of story also. Yeah. What other? What's your other favorite memory of, of being at Wimbledon? The atmosphere, I think. Also, you know, you know. I remember one year I have to, I'm go, I was going to I serve ice cream on the on the center court. I don't know which court, court number one. <laughs> and I, I like the atmosphere. You know, one time Jimmy and I we played because it was ruled that we can play in color. He played with the Irish. Uh, Jersey and I play with the red one. And so we did fine. And I think the, the Prime Minister we went last year there to see us, I don't know, with the laureates. Mm-hmm. And he told me, I said, Mr. Nostalgia, I was a 13 years old boy watching you, Mr. Connors, playing in the jersey. And so he reminded me of that. Oh. And how difficult was it to be friends with people like Jimmy when you actually had to fight against them on court? It was difficult. I, I know Jimmy since he was 16, you know, and we have the same manager. He told me that he find this kid in California that is playing unbelievable, and if I accept to, to play doubles with him and uh, take him to Europe because nobody knows Jimmy then. And we played in, in 73 first time in doubles, and mm-hmm. we, we made it to the final. And then we come to Wimbledon, we won Wimbledon also in 73, so I was excited because, you know, also I beat him, Jimmy, all the time, mostly all the time, so... I think it was tough for him, it was tough for me to play against each other. Until Andy Murray came along, British tennis has been in a pretty sad state. What was your attitude towards playing British players? Did you always think, oh, this will be easy? Mm, well, it depends. You know, I think I was, you know, I think was, uh, Roger Taylor was not a bad player, he was a good yes. player. And I, Mark Cox also was good. And, you know, I, I played when uh, sometime I was young. I was 18. I played in Egypt. Mike Sangster. Yes. And uh, Bobby Wilson. I played these guys. They're good, you know, especially in fast court. So I respect them. Do you think Andy Murray can do it again? Well, if he did, you know, this was a problem with with uh, Andy Murray for uh, for a while, and then the guy who was unlucky. I think was Tim Hanman. Tim Hanman was yeah. a great uh, player, right. but he unfortunately played during uh, the time of of Sampras. Mm-hmm. And this was a big problem, but now Murray, you know, he won, well, I don't know, two, two Grand Slam or three, I don't know how many he won. And of course he can win it, you know. That's that's all about, you know, when you win a Grand Slam, then you want to win more. What do you think was your greatest single match victory? Uh, victory, because, you know, my greatest match was the final against Smith, but I was going to say that, but a victory... Maybe the one in the US Open against uh, Arthur Ashe, the final uh, in 72 in grass. Yeah. When I was up, I was down, I think, two sets to 1 5 1. Mm-hmm. And also in that tournament, I think I was match point down against Roger Taylor in the first round. Hmm. Second round, I'm not sure. And when McEnroe came along and was misbehaving, some people blamed you and said, you know, you were the one that started this bad baby. How did you feel about well, that? He told, he told uh, was my son, no. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's a little bit different between me and John because John, you know, he was doing that uh, crazy things in the court and all this uh, with, with uh, not with a smile on the face. You know, he was like 
probably a minute that riding minute all the time i just you know most joking the kind of joking and having fun and laughing but i told john was serious when he was doing that and that's probably the biggest difference between me and him yes i was doing that with a smile on my face and he was doing with a mean face so you know yeah, I agree. Both of you complained a lot about the line calling, and obviously it's much more sophisticated now using computers and things. Would you like to go back on, on a computer and look at the matches you played in the 70s and see which balls were out and which were in? I don't know. I, I make a fun also. You remember the machine with the, with yes. the service line? The beep. I make a fun because of, I whistle myself once and the ball was good, you know. <laughs> And then, then I went to the umpire and said to him, I, I stopped to jump on the machine. I said, this machine is making a mistake. I think it was made in Russia or something like that, I said. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's part of the game. And, uh, you know, with the complaint and all this, I think uh, was something at that time because was nobody doing that. Uh, you know, I did, I did it because probably was not rules. If the rules would say I cannot do that and I get fine, probably I, I won't do that. But, you know, I'm glad I don't play <laughs> those days because... Only a lot of matches, I think. Would you not have preferred to have the Hawkeye in your day? Uh, I think I prefer also to have a professional umpire also, you know. Yes. To travel, what they travel now. And it's not, it, probably at that time, uh, tennis was the only sports. They don't have professional umpires. Mm. And like soccer, and they, you know, they come and they train and they are, uh, you know. They have a degree for that, and now they start to do that in tennis, which is, I think is good. And when you were playing, how conscious were you of how short a sports person's career can be? Well, you know, I was, uh, you know, you have to, to, to look up to, you know, uh, probably the only person who was doing like me was Makarov, John Makarov, because I was playing singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. Yes. And... I was putting a lot of effort in that, but I do that because I told I can practice. Or I practice like a tennis match, yeah, and not just practicing like three hours uh, before the match. So I, 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 if you win, if you look at my records, I have a lot of doubles, also a lot of mixed doubles. But I learned that from the Australian because they all play, you know, Laver and Roswell and Emerson. They all have titles of singles and doubles and mixed doubles. So I learned from them. Was there one comment, one bit of advice from a more senior tennis player that helped you in your career? I think Fred Terry helped me a lot. And he was a, such a gentleman. And also, when I played the final in 72, he helped me. And when I played against Stan Smith, he arranged me to play the practice match before uh, the final against Smith with uh, Bjorn Borg, mm -hmm. which just won the junior that day. And he was there and watching, and uh, Mr. Fred Perry went to him and asked him if he can practice with me yeah. for 15 minutes. And Fred was a great person, and I respect him very much. For much of your tennis career, you were treated like a pop star, like an idol. What was that like? Well, it was nice, but, uh, you know, I don't uh, feel myself I was a pop star or something, but, you know, it was the, my time was the Beatles and, and uh, Rolling Stones and... You know, of course, I go out and, and Annabelle or France and I meet, uh, meet Jagger or the other Beatles. So it was a kind of combination that, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I never do this, go out before I lost. So. And I, when I lose first round or second, whatever I lose, I go out, but not before. And what was the biggest thrill of all the people that you met socially or whatever? I think uh, everybody, it's very simple and very nice and uh, very social, but 
the problem is the managers and people like that, you can get through them, you know, to, yeah. to, to meet these people. And when you meet them, they are very nice, very normal, and they tell you they like tennis, or they tell you, like, uh, like uh, Mick Jagger told me, he likes uh, cricket. He yeah. said, if I know anything about cricket, so I say no. But, you know, everybody is very, very normal person, a normal, uh, you know, human being, you know. What was it like to be chased by screaming women? Well, it's this is uh, it's very English. This you know no, you don't see this anywhere else in the other tournaments. And uh, there are young kids. They come with school there, and they are uh, between I don't know nine and twelve or thirteen. And they have their books with autographs. And some girls sometimes ask me for my piece of my hair and spit and approvals and things like that. Uh, strange, but that's uh, it's very English. This and they they have their own uh, autograph book, and they show you with the people that sign them before and. It's, I have my uh, fan there, some little girl uh, make a uh, club, fan club for me there, and I enjoy that. What was the craziest fan experience you ever had? Did you go to a hotel and find a girl in your wardrobe or something? No, 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 because I, they're all 12 years old, you know, this is my fan, you know, the screaming mm. girl. It does, you know, you, you know at Wimbledon, they see that at the exit of the, the dressing room and yes. they scream and they want me to spit an bit and take a piece of hair and I don't know what and crazy things like that. But. And did you live a bit of a rock and roll lifestyle? Did you buy fast cars and have huge houses? No, 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 I, don't, I didn't do that. I, I, uh, when I was, I won my first money, I was stupid. I bought a Ferrari, but then I realized it was stupid because I was traveling. I played at that time 32 weeks of, of the year, of, of even 40 with the Davis Cup. Yes. But, you know, when you're young, you're crazy. I did once, and then I, I realized it was not for me, and uh, that's all. But what? I don't leave, because after, you know, when Vitas came, Gerolaitis, and even Macro, they had the style of, uh, of uh, you know, New York going out and all this, but I didn't have that kind of life. What made you decide to retire? At what age were you? Well, I think I was 38 when I played my last uh, Davis Cup match in uh, Romania against uh, the States. Mm -hmm. I played against John and uh, Jimmy. And uh, 1984, I was 38, I think, yeah. And what made you make that decision? Well, just I thought I could not uh, be as good as I was, and then, you know, just to continue. But many people told me even before that to retire, which I didn't do. I don't listen. But you must have retired a very happy, satisfied man. Uh, I did, I did, but, uh, you know, I was missing uh, sometimes uh, the pressure and uh, the crowds and, you know, all that I miss. But then I start to play a little bit of uh, the veteran, the, uh, the legends, and I stay in touch with the tennis like that. And now I don't do even that anymore. How long did it take you to recover from not being a tennis star anymore? A uh, long, long time. I think it's it's... Maybe 10 years, I don't know, it's, it's difficult, you know. But it's not for me, for me, for everybody, I think. If you look at the John McEnroe, when he plays now the Legends tournament, he gets upset even for that, you know. Imagine, you know, the desire to win and, you know, be good uh, even at that age. But uh, he, he can do that, he's younger than me. What was it that you missed the most, the excitement and the adrenaline and the competition? Uh, yeah, everything, everything, all together, you know, the, the traveling also. Sometimes, you know, after I retire, I have my, uh, my bags at the door, and, but, but I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> my wife asked me, what are you doing? I said, just ready to go to the tournament. She said, don't play any more tournaments. <laughs> so, that's what stuff also. But um, did you join the Veterans Tour? 
I did, I did, but then also there, you know, now they put the limit, and I told, you know, it's too much after, you know, after 62, 63, you know, I said it's come too much. I don't feel like even, uh, you know, undress myself and put the short pants on. <laughs> <laughs> so but, when did you, when did you last play tennis in any way? Well, I, I played about two months ago when we had the Romanian tournament here, and I, I organized the tournament, and they asked me to play an exhibition. Mm -hmm. So I did. And apart from continuing to play as a senior, as it were, um, did you ever consider being a coach or any other kind of role, like your friend Jan Tiriak? No, I never considered that because I don't I enjoy doing that. I, I don't want to do the same thing I did when I was playing tennis. And I know difficulties to be around the tennis player, so no, I, I did never consider that, no. So what other things have you done over the years since you retired? Well, I've, I've gone to business, some businesses, and also, you know, I work for Adidas a little bit. I, I still have a contract since 1972. Hmm. And they, they produce my tennis shoes and my equipment with my name and things like that I did. Yeah, and Stan Smith as well has shoes with Adidas. Yeah, Stan also, yeah. 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 Stan started in 73 and I started in 72, I think. Why do you think we still love the players of your era? I don't know, maybe because we have more contact with the, with the crowd, we talk to the crowd, we, we react to, I don't know, best, I don't know. Now it's a little bit, uh, uh, the, the rules are very tough, I think, for the players and should be more flexible, I think. And also it's, you know, it's too quiet, nobody, you know have anything nobody react to anything because they cannot they, they have the rules and such such tough rules they cannot do that so the rules you mean are, are the ones the, the obedience rules that they need to be well behaved and if they swear or shout they get penalized yeah, I, I think that's uh, you know but uh, in the limit i think it's you know now that they have all this microphone <coughs> and all this but imagine if they go on the pitch where they play soccer yes. and they have microphones there imagine what they say and all this so yeah. Tennis is difficult because the um, you know, microphones are there and it's, it's close to the crowd, so we cannot say much. Yeah, but I mean, there have been some exciting players in more... I mean, Agassi was very exciting to watch, wasn't yes, he? I think? Agassi was good, yeah, Agassi, yeah, but then, you know, the rules start to be even tougher on him. And uh, I think uh, Djokovic is doing a little bit, you know, he's you know, trying to relax maybe and do... Uh, some tricks on the court, which is, you know, it's good. Yeah, the British people even complain about Andy Murray being too serious and too sour-faced and complaining. What do you well, think of Andy Murray? Uh, I think Andy Murray is just the way, he, you know, he, he likes to, he plays his best tennis and he shouldn't change. Why he should change for uh, people to laugh and uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's playing for, uh, for the twin titles. He plays to, to win money to have a... Safe uh, life after he finished tennis, so we shouldn't complain about that, you know. If somebody comes like that and wants to change himself, it's okay, you know. Yeah. Do you think he is going to be one of the greats? Do you think he'll win more Grand Slams? I think so. It's young, and maybe he didn't play his best tennis, but he's going to play now, and you know, he wait. I mean, uh, he wait for a long time. He played a few finals, he lost, so. Uh, you know, t tennis is, uh, I think, a game of confidence, and confidence comes by, uh, by winning a grand slam, I think. 
It's hard to believe that the standard of play could get any better than it is at the moment, though, doesn't it? I mean, how on earth can people play better than the way Natal and Djokovic play these days? Yes, I don't know. That's that's another thing. I think the, the tennis is fantastic, and you know, it will be difficult, I think, to to to, to somebody to come out with better tennis than the, those two, three guys they produce right now. What I can't understand with tennis is that for decades everybody played in silence and yet now the women, for some reason, make a noise when they hit the ball. How do you explain that? I think there should be a rule. I think it's, uh, you know, because I, I saw them, all these girls, practicing and they don't do that. No, quite practice, right. You know? yeah. If you don't practice, okay, I understand. But if you do just when you play the game and, you know, I don't understand the opponents why they don't complain because they, have, they, they can complain. Yeah, but I'm sure they don't want to get uh, you know bad terms with other players. I know, no idea. So, do you think they're cheating when people like Azarenka and Sharapova make these terrible noises? I think it's it's worse for the other person to concentrate and also for the crowd. I won't go to watch these people you know more than ten minutes because they going to be the same shots, same screaming, same I don't know. And I don't want to end up next to them in a hotel somewhere in the room. <laughs> That's for sure. Just explain why, please. Yeah, no, what do you think? <laughs> so if you were playing against someone who made that noise, you would complain to the umpire or walk off or something, would you? Well, somebody was doing a little bit, but Jimmy was doing a little bit, but not as, as pro I think it's provocative. I mean, he provoked the other, I don't know. You can make a noise when you cannot reach a ball or you reach very difficult a tennis ball, I think, you know, when you go back for, I don't know, to get the ball, but... Every point, I mean, even if it's a drop shot or anything, you start to scream, I mean, please. Yeah. Women's tennis generally, I, I've never found as appealing as men's tennis. What do you think? Well, I don't know if it's as much appealing, but it's much better tennis now. And even I saw Boris said something that uh, now he can watch uh, ladies' tennis also because it's better. I think it's better, but also I think it's better because of the rackets. And uh, they play with better rackets, I think. And the racket helped them a lot more than the rackets helped the boys. Do you think the top women's players now would have given you a good game in the early 70s? Uh, I can't compare that. I know. I, I don't know. Idea. If I don't know if I play with the same racket like today, I don't think so. Right. But remember, remember, we play with with, with the racket, and we play uh, with the tennis balls are much bigger and uh, softer, and you know, it's I, I cannot. Uh, uh, compare. I think it's, it's not fair to compare. I don't. You know, we have the best time when we play that time, and before us, uh, Fred Perry and Lacoste have a great time. So it has to go like that. You know, I, I I don't like to compare. I think it's not fair, and it's not. We have uh, talent, and the same like today, but we we have different equipment, and you know, it's not fair to to compare. I think. Yeah, but women only play three sets, of course. But the you know they, this calls for them to have the same prize money. Do you think they should have the same prize money at Wimbledon? Uh, I think they should more because they are clever. They you know they play for the same prize money for three sets. I think the men they are stupid. They should ask to play three sets right. for the same money like the girls if they are clever. But I don't think they are clever. Really? The clever one was uh, Village King and Navratilova. They they fought for them to to have the same prize money. And maybe one day they fight, uh, so how are they going to get more than a boys? They are clever, I think. <laughs> so you really think that the men should be playing three sets and get getting the same amount of money? Well, if they are clever, yeah. If, especially if the guys, they play singles and doubles or make doubles. I think, yeah, why not? 
Or another way, put the girls to play five sets. And, you know, I complain for that, maybe. Do you think they could cope with five sets, some of these? My, some uh, of them? In, in grass, maybe in grass, but uh, in clay court, I don't think so. No. They, men, they can, they can ask for three sets, because it's the, the way they play today, it's very uh, demanding physically, you know, and I think they, they, they're stupid if they don't ask for three sets. Right, even at Wimbledon? Even in Wimbledon, you know, can be a set the 22 to 20, and all this was long. Yeah. So who do you think will win Wimbledon this year? I think the same guys. I don't think we'll be an outsider to win Wimbledon because the same three, four guys, they have a chance every year. Mm. So I, I, I don't see an outsider. Who would you like to win? Do you have someone that you really like most of all that you support? I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, of Federer, but, you know, I... I, I I don't know about Federer, how in good shape is to win Wimbledon, and I don't know the draw is going to play against him at the beginning. So for him, if he goes to the semis or, or there, quarters, I think it's dangerous, but I don't know which play, I don't know his road yet. So, How fit do you keep nowadays? I try to stay in shape. I don't want to get fat because I was a tennis player, and I, I, I hate to see some of the people, especially ladies, on the tour now, they play with uh, such a body, which is, for me, I don't understand. And, uh, you know, I try, I try to stay in decent shape. What do you mean, some ladies? Some of them, even young ones, they play in please doesn't look like athletes. And that's, I'm really disgusted to see this on the television, but anyway. There are even young ones, and even the junior, they, I don't understand how they can not stay in shape, because they play tennis every day and should be fit and, you know, slim. Years ago, I interviewed Nadia Komanech. I would imagine yes. that you probably got to know her quite well. Sure, sure. She comes, she comes to Wimbledon, uh, I think the 27, for two, three days, and I'm going to be with her there. Yeah, she's a good friend of yours. Yeah, a very good friend of mine. She suffered a lot during the Ceausescu regime, it, it seemed, she anyway. Did. She did, she did, and now she's very happy in the, in the States, and she's really a good person. Yeah, very I nice. She's going to do something in England. I'm not sure with the, some show. She is. Me, with a gymnast or with dancing, something. I don't know. That's right. Is she going to get you on the show? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she told me she's filming all the time there. I don't know. And how does it feel to see the changes in Romania following that terrible regime? Well, it's, it's, it took time, you know. And uh, when you're 50 years of communism, it's difficult to... to to change over completely right away, you know, and still some laws that can be changed, and there are some uh, old laws, so, but uh, I think uh, slowly, slowly we're going to get in a normal uh, life. Hmm. And do you think you'll be in Romania to stay from now on? Well, I moved here in 96, I'm from, uh, from Paris, and uh, I, I stay in 96, so I run for the office there, and I'm, I'm here now. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other ambitions in your life at this stage? Uh, my ambition is to stay fit and, um, and you know, have a normal life and eat uh, correctly and see as much as I can see my kids. I have little daughters, 8 and 11 now, and I want to take care of them as much as I can. Yeah, you've been married four times, I think. Four times. Yeah, yeah. You, is but tennis to blame for that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, tennis, it's, it's not a normal life, you know, especially when you have kids, you know, because a kid cannot travel with you, has to have a normal life, so go to school, so 
but uh, you know, I don't want to blame only that. I think it's you know, there has to be more than that. Yeah. Are you married at the moment? Yes. Can you tell us about your wife, her name, and she's young, Brigitte. Her name is Brigitte. Mm -hmm. And she's is she? 37. She's thirty-seven. 37. Wow. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with well, the age, age difference? Uh, very easily. <laughs> she keeps me in shape. That's why I'm, she's working out every day. So we we pretty much do the same thing. We eat uh, normal. I mean, we don't go out late. So that's good. And what what's her occupation? No, she's doing. She's going to take care of our own academy we're building now, and she's uh, she's doing all the tennis courts and uh, dressing rooms, which are almost ready. How long have you been married? I've been married one year yesterday. Oh, really? Congratulations! So she's wife Thank number five. No, four. Number four. Okay. And tell us about your children, please. Names and ages and occupation. Name uh, Emma. She's going to be eight and. Uh, uh, August and my other one is going to be 11. It's Zoraim Alicia. It's going to be 11 in uh, July. Okay, so you just have the two children? Yeah, no, I have five altogether, but this is the last one, the youngest one. Okay, can you tell us about the other three? I have uh, uh, Natalie, she's going to be 40 next year. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, Nicholas, is going to be in 1st of July, uh, like Princess D. 1st of July 28, mm -hmm. and Charlotte 24. Right, and what do they do? Charlotte is working in Miami, and my boy is in real estate in New York. But uh, these two kids are adopted. I adopted with my second wife. Okay. Did you want your children to follow you into tennis? No. Right. Not at all. Yeah. How much do you regret that you can't call yourself Wimbledon champion? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's tough, so especially when people like you, you know, to remind me, because I... Sorry. I don't want to remind myself, you know. <laughs> it's difficult to remind yourself, you know, all the time. Then you don't sleep, you don't have sex, you don't do anything after that. <laughs> Sorry about you that. You know what I mean? No, no, it's okay. You're not the only one, you know. <laughs> Would you like there to be a film of your life one day? I, I, I think somebody wants to do it. And, I, you know, I'm a good friend with uh, Danilo. And I, I ask him sometimes, but he said he never has time, but... I would like somebody to do it, yeah. You're I good want my auto autobiography to be a, a movie. Right. So, Who would play you? I, don't know, no, I, I like De Niro to play me, but he's crazy, but I don't know. <laughs> he can play tennis. No, oh, no, Robert De Niro. Niro. Well, he's a bit old yeah, to play Bobby, you. Bobby, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's a wish, but... Yeah. And do you want to live to be a very old man? I don't know. I don't know. I, I like to to stay, like I said, in shape. I don't want to, you know, of course, you know, it's not possible not to get old. But uh, a guy came to me the other day, Rumi, said, my God, you eat, Jesus, you, you get so old. I said, you know anybody who's getting young? Because I don't know. <laughs> I said to him, I said, thank God you're getting younger. I said, even my kids getting older, stupid. I said to him, so what can I do? And after you've left this planet, how do you want people to remember you? The way I was, you know, I don't want different, you know, the way I was, uh, you know, natural, the way I was, the bad, the good, the, the, this kind of combination, you know, because the bad, the good, I don't know, the, whatever, I think, uh, also a little bit for my tennis, I think, because, you know, I was playing quite good tennis and that's all.